Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Drax Sportscast. My name is Drake McRae, aka Drax One Million, and I will be your host today, yet again. It is 9.40 a.m. on March 9th, 2020, and it has been an interesting week in the NFL and in my life as well. I have my LaCroix sitting in front of me. I recently stopped drinking coffee and caffeine because I get anxiety and I could tell it was affecting my live stream Madden Gaming. And wouldn't you know, as soon as I quit drinking it, I went right back to where I was at before, 12 game runs. So I'm going to maintain that and hopefully, I'm hoping it'll keep me a little calmer, a little more focused during these podcasts, able to... uh, formulate sentences better and keep the keep the ball rolling a little less stoppage a little less you know twisting the words around so we'll see how it goes today <clears throat> so starting right off the bat the Cowboys sent Dak Prescott yesterday a new contract proposal now I'm not sure what the details of this one are but the details did release on the last one they did offer him and it was quite a deal it was quite a deal Sources say that the Cowboys offered Dak Prescott $33 million a year with more than $100 million guaranteed. And he didn't sign it, apparently. Now, that's saying something. I think Dak knows that he has the upper hand in this negotiation. He's looking at what the Cowboys are offering him and saying, I can get just a little more out of this. He might even reset the market at this rate. Maybe he just wants more in guarantees. Maybe they'll offer him incentives he's okay with, but the price just keeps rising on Dak and the Cowboys keep biting. I don't think Jerry Jones is winning this negotiation and I think Dak's about to get a big payday. With those numbers, he would be the fourth highest paid quarterback in the NFL behind only Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Jared Goff. Obviously, there's an outlier with those three, so... I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if they come back and say, look, you ain't better than Aaron Rodgers. You ain't no Russell Wilson, okay? But uh, you're definitely better than Jared Goff, so we'll get you just above that level. How does that feel? And uh, I'm sure whatever they offer him, Dak's going to take it. It sounds like a deal's going to get done. Sounds like Dak's going to be a, a cowboy for a very, very long time. And I think that's a, that's a good thing for the organization. I think Dak Prescott's a pretty solid quarterback. I don't think he's the best of the best. I don't think he can carry the team, but I think he's good enough where they have a good enough roster. They finally got a, a championship caliber coach behind him. I think uh, I think with Dak Prescott, that organization is on its way to very, very big and very good things. Another story. Cornerback Josh Norman, who was at one point in the NFL, one of the very best, if not the best corner in the league. I I would say he was right behind Richard Sherman in his prime. Darrell Rivas was around too, so he was right below that top tier, but he was probably the best of the next tier. Um, But he fell off, you know. He fell off when he went to the Redskins. They just released him. Um, And as a result of that, he, he's on the market, and he got signed for a pretty cheap deal. Josh Norman went to the Buffalo Bills on a one-year deal for $6 million with incentives that could reach $8 million. So it's an opportunity for him to kind of bring himself back into relevance. The same way after his injury, Richard Sherman went to the 49ers. 
and has now reestablished himself as a top corner in this league. I think it's a good opportunity for Josh Norman. He doesn't have to be the number one corner on that team. They have Tredavious White, and that's a huge deal. Tredavious White is arguably, I would say he's the second best corner in the NFL behind Stefan Gilmore, who is the obvious choice for number one, but Tredavious White is an all pro. So playing opposite of him is going to do Josh Norman a really good, I think it's a very good position for him to be in. I think Josh Norman is a quality number two corner. I think him not having to guard the best corners in the league. He will be placed on number two receivers. He'll just have to keep up with number two receivers. And after a one year deal of doing that for an entire season, he will have the opportunity to re-sign with another team. Mind you, he'll be 33 years old, but if he performs well in a number two position, other teams will be willing to sign him at that position for higher money than six million. And so this is a very good decision for him for the future of his career. And let's be honest, like $6 million is pretty good. I think a lot of us would really enjoy, you know, pocketing $6 million on a one-year contract at any of our careers. So dare I say, not too bad. Not too bad for Josh Norman. I think he's in a good spot, made a good negotiation, and a lot of it worked out for him. So, a representative also came out for Tom Brady recently, I can't remember his name, and said that everything you're hearing about him and his free agency is absolute smokescreen. Nobody knows anything right now. That nothing that's coming out is true and nobody knows a darn thing. And I believe I was saying it last week that, you know, this time of the year right before free agency in the draft, everything's a smokescreen. Everybody's using the media to negotiate, essentially, to try to play the market a little better. Mind you, I do believe that there is some truth to the teams that he has been communicating with. I don't think that that's, a, that's illegitimate. And I think it's because, you know, they're pretty obvious choices, right? So... There's obviously the Patriots. I can't believe we're still talking about this, but it's the biggest story in football right now. He's the GOAT. Everyone's talking about it. There's the Patriots. There's the Chargers. Tennessee's in the running, which is absurd to me. Indianapolis, obviously. San Francisco, for some reason. That'll never happen. So I'd say the big four are New England, the Chargers, the... Oh, gosh, who is it? New England, the Chargers... Tennessee, I would say, is in that running. I don't agree with it, but Tennessee's definitely in that running. And then there's Indianapolis. That's who I'm thinking of. That's who I'm thinking of. So Raiders, all of those teams are still in it. I would have to say that I think the Chargers still have the best shot. I think they have. They make the most sense. New England, I don't think he goes back to New England anymore. It sounds like phone calls with Bill Belichick have been going very poorly. It sounds like they need to offer him a contract that they just cannot sign him to at this point in their salary cap situation. It sounds like they're ready to move on. The Patriots are looking towards the future. I think Bill, Belichick's, Bill Belichick still sees himself there for a very long time. Tennessee is interesting. Mike Vrabel and Tom Brady's history 
goes a long way back, back to the Patriots when Vrabel was there. And it sounds like Vrabel has been having phone calls with Tom Brady to the extent that people are not people necessarily important, but some analysts are saying that it could potentially be a form of tampering. Now that's a very interesting and hard claim. I'm not sure I would call it tampering because they have a personal relationship. However, it sounds like things are pretty serious there. And the biggest reason is because I haven't heard anything out of negotiations between Ryan Tannehill and Tennessee, but you're hearing a lot about Tom Brady in Tennessee. Why is that? The only people talking about wanting Tannehill back are the players. Organization hasn't said a thing. Normally around this time you would see leaks upon leaks. And maybe that's why. Maybe the leaks are intentional coming from Tennessee to try to convince Ryan Tannehill you need to sign a, a cheaper contract or else we're going to go get another guy. And I think Tannehill's just sitting pretty. I think that's why you haven't seen any leaks from the other side on Tannehill is I think he knows that he's the best quarterback for that team and he's going to let this play out. And either way, Tannehill's getting paid after the season he had. He was the comeback player of the year. People know he can ball now. There's a lot of teams that need a quarterback this year. I still think that Ryan Tannehill next year is going to be a Titan. I don't think Tom Brady's going to be a Titan. It makes no sense to me. A guy in his early 30s versus a guy, maybe his mid-30s. Tannehill's been around a while. I'm not too sure how old Tannehill is, but he's a lot younger than Tom Brady. He's a fit for that team. He took him to an AFC championship, even if it's on the back of Derrick Henry. Eh, just pay him both. You know, it's a successful combination. You already have AJ Brown, who is, who is his number one receiver. Corey Davis is such a good number two receiver. I can't even express it. That's the most underrated wide receiver duo in the NFL. Their talent level, I kid you not. People are going to call me crazy. People are going to call me crazy. Their talent level is equivalent going into next year to Adam Thielen and Stefan Diggs. Absolutely. They are that good of a receiver combo. You give them a guy like Tannehill, who's a better Kirk Cousins, you have the Vikings of the AFC and a better version of them, in my opinion. So I'm writing off Tennessee. If they do it, I'll be shocked. You'll hear me come on this show and just say, I know nothing about football anymore, about the NFL. I know nothing. And honestly, if he goes to Tennessee, it shows that nothing we know about the future of football is going to be the same, that quarterbacks really can go anywhere and are going to be a moving commodity for sure. They're going to be the big name and like big name NBA players who get to negotiate their contract, who get to use leverage of legacy to their advantage. Indianapolis is still on the table. There's rumors of Tampa Bay, which I think is actually a, a solid fit. Tom Brady will have weapons. He doesn't turn the ball over, which I think is the most important part of that team. If Jameis Winston doesn't throw 30 picks, if he throws even 20 interceptions, 10 less, realistically, Brady might throw in such a high-flying offense, getting older, 15 to 18 interceptions, which is really high for him, but I think they make the playoffs in that situation. Corey Davis, Rashad Perriman, and most importantly, Mike Evans are that receiver core. OJ Howard, if they could actually use him as an exceptional tight end, and Brady knows how to use tight ends. So I think Tampa Bay is a solid fit. Chicago, no. Denver makes no sense. Miami makes no sense. San Francisco makes no sense. Those all have rumors. 
and I would have to say the most likely teams to make him offers are New England, the Chargers, Tampa Bay, and Las Vegas. I still think he goes to the Chargers, but who knows? Who knows at this point? Everything's pretty crazy. Either way, he's going to get about $60 million guaranteed at least. It'll be a two-year contract because he wants to play till he's 45. Another story came out this week about Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill is going to have a first-round tender placed on him by the New Orleans Saints. So for those who don't understand restricted free agency and first-round tenders, pretty much certain players sign contracts for res restricted free agency. What that means is that when they hit free agency, the team has an opportunity to match any offer that this player receives and they can place a draft pick tender on him so if another team signs him and they choose not to match the offer he's going that team is going to be forced to trade that pick to that team to whatever other team that player is coming from so by placing a first round tender on Taysom Hill they're saying you have to give up a first round talent and pay this man in order to take him away from us and that's only if they don't match the offer which means that someone would have to pay him insanely and offer them the first round pick so what that tells us is the saints are pretty much saying we're all in on Taysom hill as the future of this franchise we're not giving him up we aren't no one's going to do that for Taysom hill they are that secure in wanting him back that they aren't even going to risk it if a team does offer him something, they're probably just going to match it. So he is clearly going to go back to the Saints. They're trying to incentivize him sticking around. And he's going to be the future of that franchise, which is, it's really interesting. You're talking about a guy who's now 30 years old, who has played every position on that team, but almost exclusively not quarterback. He's thrown almost no passes. He has spent a majority of what would have been his early career serving this country. God bless that man. And so it, he's a very interesting prospect, but they are so sure of him, they say first round tender. That's incredible. That's pretty incredible what the amount of faith they have in him, especially since Teddy Bridgewater, they're going to let him walk instead of signing him to be the future. That's how sure they are of Taysom Hill. So they're gonna take one more shot at it with Drew Brees. He will retire after this season. And then we're going to see the Taysom Hill show. And that's going to be really exciting. And it's interesting that they want him to be the future of their team. And they're still willing to put him in situations that could easily get him hurt. He's catching passes and taking tackles like a receiver or a running back or a tight end. And that doesn't matter. They're still that sure about him as a tough guy, as a talent, as necessary to the team for both the present in that situation and the future as a quarterback. And boy, will their offense get exciting and weird with him as the starting quarterback. So I'm really looking, to, looking forward to the future of the Saints organization 
while it has Taysom Hill as their quarterback. I'm really looking forward to that future and what that holds for him. Moving on, um, another great move, another move I think was absolutely brilliant was the Chargers signing Austin Eckler to a four-year contract. I think Austin Eckler got underpaid personally. I think it was like $8 million a year. I think after the season he had, he could have demanded more, which is why it's a great deal for the Chargers. The Chargers now have their franchise running back, and that team is centered on a passing game with a running back who can be shifty and move out of the backfield, and it showed when Melvin Gordon was holding out last year. You're talking about the best running back in fantasy, even ahead of Christian McCaffrey, for the period of time where he was the starter for the Chargers. That says a lot. I'm not the biggest statistics guy. I think stats can show you capability, potential, um, some level of competency and skill. The biggest stats go a long way, right? You're talking about guys who break records, come close to records, put up 50 touchdowns, like Patrick Mahomes, that says a lot about him, right? And his caliber of player. Christian McCaffrey's 1,000 for 1,000 says a lot. So the fact that he was up there with Christian McCaffrey statistically when he was the starter, that says a lot. Those middle to slightly higher tier stats can be wishy-washy. I mean, Jameis Winston threw for 30 touchdowns and 5,000 yards, but the 30 in for, in, pardon me, <laughs> doesn't matter about the caffeine. I'm still going to fumble words once in a while. Guess it's my nature. But Jameis Winston's 30 interceptions were more telling because they had a dramatic effect on the win-loss record of the team. And really, wins and losses are what counts. That's why, you know, I think Brady to the Niners is ridiculous, even though Jimmy Garoppolo maybe didn't have top-tier stats, is because he's won so many games as the starter and that team loses a lot of games when he's not the starter. That's the most important stat. But at the running back position and the ability to catch the football, those stats are incredibly important to some extent. Um, with its limits, but it's probably the most important statistics are the running back stats. And so Austin Eckler, in my opinion, is a top tier running back. And they got him at what I believe is a discount over a long-term period of time. Four years for a running back is a long time. You're talking about careers that last typically eight to nine years. That's half of his NFL career now committed to the Chargers at that price. That's a brilliant move by the Chargers to lock him down for that long at that price because if anything does happen to him, they are not tied to that contract extensively. So that's really it for current news releasing in the NFL. There's not a lot going on besides, you know, a couple rumors about the big names and a couple of small re-signings right now. Um, and that's a lot of that is because we are gearing up for free agency. It is in one week. It is not Monday, but Tuesday of next week is open free agency period. You're going to see all of the signings, right? So next Monday, I will be previewing what all the rumors are because you're going to have releases 
around Sunday, Monday time, that weekend, where we're going to know more of what's going on, where people are planning to sign, where what contracts have been offered, um, where people are at. A lot of the traveling is going to go on then and people are going to wait to sign their contract the next day. So that's when, you know, Monday around that time preview, know what's going on. And then Thursday of that week, which is when I plan to release my other podcast is around Thursday time um, is when we're going to have much longer shows and be able to say this is where where we know people are going. So that's really it for the NFL. If we go over to the XFL, there's a couple of stories going on here. So the XFL, there's clearly one team above all, and that's the Houston Roughnecks. The playoff picture, though, outside of that is still wide open because the West is very lopsided. The East is kind of coming together where there's a lot of competition there, but the West is lopsided in the wrong direction. All of the other three teams have bad records. The Dragons at one and four are still one game out from the playoffs, and they still get to play the other team that has the tiebreaker who is just slumping. So as a Dragons fan, I'm looking forward to the next five games because they've showed out against two great teams with their new starting quarterback and they blew an opportunity to win that game. But the big story actually came during that game. In the last three seconds of the game, the refs said that the game was over when reviews clearly showed that there was a knee down by the quarterback, PJ Walker, for the Houston Roughnecks. His knee was down on a fourth down play. It would have been Seattle ball on their 20 yard line with three seconds left in a nine point game, which is a one possession game in the XFL. And a lot of fans freaked out. I'm on a lot of Facebook fan pages for the Dragons and people were like, I'm never watching the XFL game. It was rigged, they're cheaters. And I have to say, it's kind of fun to see those kind of overreactions like it's an NFL game. If it were a Seahawks game, I'd be a little more, uh, I would have liked that chance. They could have really changed things, especially since two-point conversions in the NFL are a lot more, they're a lot easier to get than three-point conversions in the XFL. But considering the context of how the XFL is a new league, three-point conversions are very difficult to get. It's hard enough in that league to try to score on one play they usually take either one big play from way down the field or very methodical drives but you don't see a lot of these like 20 yard touchdowns so it would have potentially changed the outcome of that game but I think the chances were slim anyway of that happening and really it's a new league guys these aren't NFL refs who get paid the big bucks and I think up to this point they performed better It's taken five weeks to get this kind of gaffe in a brand new league with brand new rules. So, guys, calm down. Just relax. It's not the NFL. The implications aren't that big. And the team that got most affected by it is one game out of the playoffs. So, deep breaths, guys. There's a whole half of the season left. And really, the only thing we know is that the Roughnecks are the best team and going to make the playoffs. So, the overreactions are quite hilarious. I enjoy seeing it. Um, I think everything will calm down. People will accept, eh, okay, it's uh, fairly, fairly chill stuff. Um, So, 
other than that, you know, the, uh, the NBA is coming along pretty well. The Lakers, in my opinion, thank goodness, Lakers fan here, but really I don't watch the NBA until playoff season and I watch March Madness, with, which is coming up. And I'll make sure to fill out a bracket, go over it, um, go over some March Madness things to help you guys fill out your brackets coming up here. But the NBA is coming together. We're getting closer to playoff season. I'm rooting for my Lakers, you know, let's bring it back. The duo of LeBron James and Anthony Davis, it looks like is potentially enough to carry the Lakers, despite I think better overall teams existing in the league. And I think that's the fascinating thing about the NBA right now is it's a superstar league. If you get those two big superstars with chemistry on your team, that's all it takes, right? We saw Golden State with those, you know, the triad, the dynamic triad of Curry and Klay Thompson and Draymond Green, and then they carried them incredibly. And then you just throw Kevin Durant in and boom, dynasty. We all knew it would happen. Just incredible, the team they put together. And really, between LeBron and Anthony Davis, they're, they're able to beat teams like the Clippers and Giannis and the, uh, the Bucks. They've done that in the last two weeks. And that shows that going into the playoffs, the Lakers have the momentum. LeBron's playing at an MVP level yet again. Anthony Davis, when he's healthy, plays at an MVP level every time he hits the court. And ESPN's power rankings um, you know, they're reflecting that Milwaukee's still number one, but then you have the Lakers at number two. And honestly, the records are pretty crazy. All things considering they're like, um, they're not going to get it, but they're pushing records with their, with their win loss records, the Clippers too, the Raptors, you know, these teams, the top end of the NBA is very, very close to each other right now. There's a lot of teams in this, but it's clear that the big three are the Bucks, the Lakers, and the Clippers. So it'll be exciting to see when playoff time comes, if any of these teams who are actually fairly close in record can overcome and still get there. But overall, I think it's going to come between the Lakers and the Bucks. I still think the Bucks win the NBA Finals. I think they're the best overall team. I think Giannis is the best player in the NBA. Um, I don't think it's pronounced Giannis. I think it's, yeah, I don't know, man. His name is difficult for me. LeBron's much easier. I still think the Bucks will take it, but we know the Lakers can. I think it's close. So again, other than that, not a lot going on. We do have the tournament coming up. We have the men's tournament coming up. I, they haven't released the brackets yet, but they're coming. They're coming very soon. And again, once the brackets are here, once championship week is over, I will fill out a bracket. I'll explain my reasoning for these brackets. And, uh, and I'll share some, there's stats out there. There are stats out there that will help you pick your upsets, pick your games. So with that, it looks like uh, I'm gonna wrap up a little early today. Not a lot going on in the sports world. Things are pretty calm at the moment, but it's about to blow up. We're gonna have some pretty long shows. I'm hopefully gonna get some friends and some guests on the show soon so that we can really, uh, really have much longer conversations, get other people's opinions on what's going on because we're gonna have free agency. We're gonna have March Madness. So there's really good stuff coming up, guys. Just hang in there. Um, I appreciate you guys listening to this episode of the Drax Sportscast. 
Also, I will be a co-host and sharing my story on my battle with addiction and how I've overcome that on the Thunderdome podcast. You'll see it released tonight after I have my interview with my good friend, former roommate, a brother to me, truly, Thunder Woodworth. So if you could check out his podcasts and get incredible stories about people overcoming addiction, and soon my story will be on there as well, you can enjoy it there. But until Thursday, this is Drax 1 Million, Drake McRae, signing off.